Antares. Hello, everyone. I am Ray. And this is CSI Talk. back another week on another episode of CSI Talk. Hi! Before we get into today's episode, I uh, just want to let you all know that this is a safe space for you. This is always going to be a safe space for everyone of any race, any gender. Everyone has a place in our big CSI family that is ever-growing. So, no news about season 3 yet of CSI Vegas, but we're still on the lookout. It looks like I have no chance of slowing down anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, they're not virtual agreement. There was an announcement by CBS a while ago that all the shows would return to production, pre-production in January, but I don't see that happening since we are in September right now. Huh? No, we're no. not in September. We we're not are, Well... We were still in August, but next week is September already, And but I, I don't see them reaching an agreement. Well, we're, but we're definitely getting season three somewhere in the future. But today, today we're covering a very, it's a great episode. Not for the final four, because of some, but a very important episode for GSR fans. Yeah, the name of the episode Butterfly, so the synopsis, it's episode, actually, it's episode 12 of season 4. It was written by David Rambo, directed by Richard J. Lewis. So, the the official synopsis of the episode is, you know, the double murder of a young nurse and her boyfriend makes Rich some question in his workaholic lifestyle. To make matters worse for Grissom, the Norse bears a striking resemblance to Sarah. So the name of the victim is Devin Martin. She is the first victim that we see. At first, we think she's the only one until we realize that there are actually two. On the case, we have everyone except for Nick. Nick is away on a scientific conference. Grissom, he is already at the scene as the episode begins. We've seen Grissom do walkthroughs before. But I don't think we have ever seen him being so careful. He's really careful. He's literally taking one step at a time here. He's taking one step at a time to get to the bathroom, where is the main scene. He realizes there are two empty wine glasses and a bottle of wine. And he gets to the bathroom and he sees Debbie's body. And he sees that her body is lounge over in the shower with a blood pool around her head. And the blood came from her neck wound. And also there's a butterfly tattoo on the end of her back. And she is literally Sarah's doppelganger. I mean, if you've seen the Vampire Diaries, you might be familiar with the concept of doppelganger or doppelganger. 
a doppelganger is someone who resembles you, who has this striking resemblance to you. In The Vampire Diaries, they show two characters portrayed by the same actress, and they say doppelganger is a supernatural thing. In real life, it's not. It's kind of a normal occurrence, but but normally you wouldn't find your doppelganger, but some people do, apparently. CBS found. I, I think Grissom was really scared when he realized how Debbie, so much Debbie, looks like Sarah. Anyways, he goes outside and he looks at Sarah. Then he looks at Brad. And he tells Brad that no one is allowed in the house except for CSI. I think he meant to say that no one was allowed inside the house at that moment. Everyone but Sarah was allowed inside the house. I don't think he wanted Sarah to not to see the body. He he didn't want Sarah anywhere near the body. I would, me and Brie were talking about this earlier today. If he didn't want Sarah to look at the victim because of the resemblance, but also, I think he didn't want Sarah to look at his reaction looking at the victim. The only two people who really saw his reaction were Catherine and Brad. Yeah. And in a way, I think Grissom was terrified. That's why he was working around the clock on this one. Because his brain kept tricking him into thinking that that wasn't Dabby, that was him. There was, there was even a scene in the... In the episode that he's looking at the mirror and Daddy shows up behind him, but then it shifts to Sarah. Grissom tells everyone they should do. Warwick is going to process both of the cars in the driveway. One belongs to the friend, so he is going to process the one that belonged to the friend that found Debbie's body, so he's going to process Debbie's car. Sarah is going to process the perimeter. And Catherine is going to talk to Debbie's friend. Then work the inside of the house with Britton. Sarah is immediately pissed because, like, the perimeter cannot uh, be a priority right now. And Britton pulls the, I need you on the perimeter right now. I am your boss. You do as I say. I need you on the perimeter. Okay. Whatever you say. This is what happens after invisible evidence, right? I mean, after Invisible Evidence in Episode 7. Oh, so I don't think Grissom wanted to be rude to Sarah again. Even though Sarah kept pushing, I don't think Grissom wanted to be rude to Sarah. Not with Debbie being so similar to Sarah. Catherine is speaking to Debbie's friend. Her name is Kelly McNeil. Kelly tells Catherine then both of them works at Desert Palm. And they make lunch plans that the day before, but Debbie had to fear so because she was going to spend time with a new boyfriend who is called Michael Clark, who was a, a surgical intern at the same hospital. If you watch Grey's Anatomy, you know that doctors and nurses, they always on each other. Anyway, when Debbie didn't show up for work and Kelly had called her multiple times and got no answer, she decided to go out of the house and she locks him by using the the extra key that Debbie had given her because they had each other's 
And when she saw the body, she ran outside, which is why there were footprints on the carpet in the hallway. She also tells Catherine that Michael didn't show up to work that day. And that Michael was the very first boyfriend that Debbie ever canceled plans with Tally for. He was serious. Yeah, which means that he was serious with Michael. Sarah does the perimeter of the house. And she finds a white powder covering the concrete, but it doesn't lead nowhere, apparently. Across the street, Brad is questioning Jeff Pike, which is probably the one that is the neighborhood gossiper, you know, the one, the gossip girl from the neighborhood. So he's telling Brad that he's actually running for a captain of the neighborhood watch. And he knows a lot of things about, about everyone from the block. And he says that Debbie was an attractive single girl and she got a lot of male visitors from the, from doctors and medical personnel. And Bruce is like, oh, do you remember any specific vehicles parked at her door? And Jeff says that he remembers scenes at 2004 Black Mercedes E320 for the last month. And the car showed up to the house at all hours of the day and said, and Jeff says that he last saw it two days ago. I wonder how this car, this guy knew this car. Like, doesn't this guy have anything to do besides watching his neighbors? You don't know neighborhood watch, do you? Well, but it's kind of creepy, though. Anyways, after... It's the safety of the neighborhood. Okay. Sarah doesn't find anything on the perimeter, so she goes to work with the backseat of Debbie's card was unlocked. And it had groceries. And Sarah's like, well, maybe she wasn't interrupted after she returned from shopping, which would be true. It's at the house. For some is analyzing Debbie's body. When Catherine walks in and you He's like, what am I smelling? And Catherine's like, oh, maybe it's bleach or some kind of cleanser. You know, maybe they should have Hodges on that scene <laughs> because Hodges have, <laughs> well, Hodges has the quote-unquote nose. Hodges nose. Well, Hodges did not have the nose yet. Well, I mean, we don't know. It was <laughs> not in canon yet that he had the nose. Well, anyway. I mean, if you're, okay, but if you're in the business for that long, as we believe for some woods at this point, you probably knew how bleach or cleansing is mouth like, right? Yeah. That's when she looks at the bathroom and she's like, oh, look at the exterior spray. You know, if you look at the episode, the exterior spray means that the killer cut through her artery. And arteries are not easy to cut. Why, why am I saying this? Do I sound like a killer? I'm sorry. Look. This is what she's studying. Like criminology student, students, like we, we study things like this. Okay, I've, I've done some courses and okay, so the scrap of tissue it's not easy to cut so it means that the killer had to have some type of strength to cut through her, her neck. So when it shows that the killer on the flashback, the killer had this metal thing on the neck he had to pull with so much strength that 
blood went literally everywhere on the wall, but he cleaned the floor. Like, he literally couldn't care less about killing Debbie's blood. But he was particularly interesting in the other mess that he made, which was what Grissom would realize later. Uh, staying there for two days? Yeah. So, Catherine realizes that Daddy was standing up when she was attacked, and she also says that even though there's so much blood on the walls, there is no bloody handprint or footprints left by the killer. But Grissom is still doesn't know why Daddy was positioning like that. Grissom is still intrigued. Watching this episode, I think Grissom would make a good profiler. <laughs> I think Grissom would make a good profiler. The only thing Grissom won't be good at is people skills. Exactly. Sarah and Laura, I could despise Grissom. Sarah out of the house. Sarah walks in the house. Anyways, ultimately, Grissom just didn't want her inside the bathroom where the victim was. Sarah and Laura, they go inside the house and they look through the refrigerator and they that the victim could get at least half of her groceries inside her refrigerator, but Sarah couldn't find a receipt to know from when those groceries were from. They realized that based on the expiration date on the milk, Debbie went to the market two days before she was killed, which was also the last time that Michael's car was seen in front of the house. Catherine and Grissom, they're still processing the bathroom and they find evidence of blood and bleach and the drains. And all the drains. So they think that the killer murdered Debbie and then wash up in both of the scenes in the bathtub. I mean, it doesn't make any sense. He kills somebody and then has to he makes such a mess and he has to clean up everywhere and all the things of the bathroom. Doesn't make any sense. But anyway, Grissom decides to send there out of the house to look in the drain. See, Grissom doing the hard work. We would never, we just need him doing that on CSI Vegas. But, anyways, I think that was the first time we ever seen him doing the hard work. Of. Anyways, he sends Sarah to collect. The water from the drain. For some days, spray liminal all over the bathroom, but they cannot tell what is what and what is bleach because bleach also reacts to liminal. And Grissom's like, "What is this blood coming from? This this blood cannot be from just one person." <laughs> Catherine starts to think that maybe Brass is looking for girls because maybe they have two victims, not just one. Brass is at Deadbond and he's picking. <laughs> To Dr. Lori and tells Brass that Michael Clark is on his surgical rotation, but Michael did not show up in the morning, even though he was on call. According to Dr. Lori, Michael is a gifted surgeon who also has an active social life. But and the fear of his work. And we all know what active social life, social life means in this context. Yeah, I mean, social life doesn't mean social media in this context. You know, social media was around, but it wasn't that much. Oh, I'm not, I'm talking about this, like this social life and then this one. 
like like people just meeting up and having a nice chat then there's the other socialite yeah i know so it says the other socialite as we've seen clips of yeah back in daddy's house catherine realizes there is no planes there is no wrecks there is nothing from the cleaning department in her house which means that the killer used all the victim had Kirsten realizes that there's no weight in her house. So there's no trash in her house. Which means that the killer disposed of everything. Oh, if you're wondering why they always refer to the killer as he, as a, a man, most of the CSIs actually always refer to the killer as a man. Did. Until they find out it's not. Until they find out it's not. Like the miniature killer. Like the miniature killer, yeah. That's because, statistically speaking, most of the killers are going to be male. It's a very small statistic of women's killers that are women. And women are more, more likely to commit non-violent crimes. Non-violent crimes, exactly. When I did my, find my completion work for my university, I use the statistics from the United Nations, and the report was from 2019. And if I'm not mistaken, 80% of the crimes were committed by. That's why, always in the crime shows and all of that, they always refer to the killer as a man because most of the time, it's always a man. That's why in this episode they are referring to the killer as a man. It will turn out to be a man. But every time they find out that it's actually a woman, they get really surprised because they never expected to be a woman. Well, anyways, they go outside to look. Catherine versus Mark, they go outside to look and they're looking through the trash bin and they're not finding anything until Britson opens up and he finds a lot of trash with blood and, and body parts. And, well, at that point, the body started to decompose. It had been decomposing for two days. It makes sense that the police would be attracted to it, even though the killer, even though the killer had put the body parts inside plastic bags. And it didn't stop the whole body from decomposing. So, if you find empty bottles of leeches, bloody towels, everything. On the second day, they are pulling a double right now. Catherine, Grissom, and Ward, they're still going through the trash bins, and they find a lot of organs, and Catherine's like, I think we can't confirm the victim is a male. Right now, they are thinking that both victims are connected, Debbie Martin and this John Doe at this point. And Grissom also finds the vacuum bag, which means that the killer cleaned up after himself because he thought that he had left evidence of himself in the house. And they also found the victim's clothes folded in the trash bag. Sarah, in the lab, she is filtering the water that she collected from the pipe when she was looking in the drain, and she finds hair for multiple donors, but they are unusual because of the bleach, because the killer used bleach down the drain. But Sarah is able to find a hair with at the root of the hair. is like when he pulled hair 
of your head and there is like that white part that's the thing that's the skin tag which means that that unique and they can still use it in the morgue you can see that four days he's reassembled the dismembered body at one table while doc robbins is walking Catherine through debbie's autopsy he tells Catherine that debbie died at least 24 hours ago he cannot pinpoint exactly between exactly time of death but her cause of death was a deep incised wound on the neck that transected both her carotid artery and the trachea 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 which means that her neck was cut that's why there was that arterial spray which i explained to you guys a bit early on Doc robbins he also tells Catherine that the weapon that was used to do this was short and sharp and Catherine was like what it's powerful yeah it wasn't powerful and the doctor robbins also says that the killer probably spent well hours dismembering the other body. The male victim's patella had been clearly removed from the body, and the femur was separated from the tibia and the fibula. Yeah, and for the girlies that don't understand, the patella is the bone on your knee. Like, literally, the covers your knee is the bone underneath the covers your knee. If you touch your knee right now, you're going to feel something. That's your patella. That's the bone that is covering your knee. What Doc is telling Catherine is that the only type of person that would know how to do this is a doctor. You know, it could not have been anyone else with this type of knowledge. It had to be a doctor. In the episode, if you watch it, Doc Robbins also says to do this and not be the major artery in the body because there is a major artery running through your leg right now and risk the victim bleeding out on you. You have to be a doctor to know where that is located. They conclude once again that the killer used a scalpel. And Catherine's like, well, so we're obviously looking for a doctor. Yeah, they are. Grissom, he's still at uh, Devin's house. That man hasn't eaten. He hasn't showered. He's just trying to solve his murder. His brain at this point is triggering him into thinking that the person who was actually murdered was here and not Debbie. He is at Debbie's room and he's looking at one of her butterfly trinkets and he realizes that Debbie was obsessed with butterflies. Grissom is also obsessed with butterflies. I always imagine there is petting from Grissom as a butterfly. Probably. And he's looking at pictures of Debbie and then the ghost of Debbie shows up behind her and transforms into Sarah. My boy Grissom was terrified, I think, his his heart was coming out of his chest at that point. And at the exact moment, Sarah called Grissom. She called him to tell him that she got her hair off the pipe and that it had a skin tag. And Grissom's like, look, I'm in a bad area. Call me later. Give the hair to Greg. Okay, bye. And of course, Catherine eventually shows up. Yeah, because the man was literally on his knees trying to look for blood, any kind of blood on the carpet. Sarah, she meets up with Warwick, who is 
going over a Michael's car car or, and because they found the car inside the airport unlocked and okay they think right now their goalie theory is that Michael killed two people and skipped town they don't see anything in the car they decide to fume the car with super glow super glow is actually what they use in real life to fume anything that's what they actually use and they assigned everything. They find that everything has been scrubbed down. So Killer took his time to even clean the car. Except the driver's seat. And Warwick even finds a piece of black trash bag in the track of the driver's seat. And the killer also adjusts the seat and Warwick is like, well, Michael was five foot nine and Warwick it's six feet two, but the seat is adjusted for someone taller than him. For the girlies that don't understand that, six uh, feet two would be someone that would be around one meter and eighty centimeters. Well, Warwick is just that tall. He's almost two meters. Warwick is just that tall. Catherine, Sarah, Kendall, Warwick—they are in the conference call and on the conference call with West Grayson, who is still in Debbie's house to go over everything they have. That's how we know that Nick at this point he is in in a scientific conference. A forensic academy conference. Yeah. Kind of like maybe a callback because Rissom and Sarah met on a forensic Dude, you got my reference. They're recapping the cake. Debbie went to the grocery store. She packed in the driveway. Unloaded her groceries. She left the door open. That's why there was no force entry. But she was getting ready for her date. She was lighting candles everywhere. And I'm like, dude, aren't you afraid of, I don't know, fire studying your house? Something like that. Anyways, she was preparing the bottle of wine with glasses and everything. And then Greg shows up because he breaks everyone's thoughts. He says that the hairs that Sarah found in the drain belong to Michael Clark. There was no fingerprints on the scalpel or any other instruments used in the killing. So the killer even cleaned that up. So Grayson perceived as if he was interrupted by Greg as Barry was lighting the candles in the shower. She was attacked from behind and her throat was slit. And her body was positioned in a way that the first thing that Michael saw when he got into the bathroom was her. And then Michael was killed and dismembered in the bathtub. Michael was the killer's actual target. It wasn't Debbie. Catherine's like, well, but why was her murder so quick? It's the killer took the time to dismember Michael. And that's when Grissom says because Michael was the real target of the like, attack. Doing, yeah, of the attack. So they realized that Michael was the second victim because they get the prints from one of the hands that they got and it matches with the prints they had on the DMV database. That's how they get the identification. Ward he empties the vacuum bag that Grissom found earlier and he's separating everything out. Sarah walks in and Warwick tells her that there are white 
white carpet fibers in the bag. And only in the, the only room on Nevis house, there are such white fabrics as he said, as a spare bedroom. And he also found a butterfly charm. And he's like, well, maybe sign of a struggle. He could have fallen off a bracelet or something. And so I was like, well, maybe the killer was in the bath bedroom at some point. Even though he was not in his path, Sarah's thinking that the killer walked in, killed Daddy, killed Michael, went into the square bedroom, broke whatever he wanted to break, and then started to clean up. Rissam still has out. He is on his third shift. Rissam would literally do a triple. He's on his triple, yeah. He's testing the hallway for blood, and he's not finding anything. And Catherine shows up, and she's like, I don't to go home. Father, do you eat him? Yeah, Grissom's like, my knees did not take much of this. Didn't trade places. They started eating from whatever Debbie had on her fridge. And Grissom's like, we will have to replace that. Which is true. They, I'm guessing they'll, they replace whatever they got from her. So they are I don't understand why, because it would all go in the trash. Maybe. Maybe out of respect for the victim's family? Maybe? I don't know. They're recapping the case again, and Catherine said that Debbie was waiting for Michael's arrival. And then they decided to process the bedroom, because they only processed the bathroom. Okay. They literally forgot to process the bedroom. Okay. And they find some red house. Yeah, they find Up underneath the bed. They find the red silk scarves. This is the... why this shows Brie the TV fourteen. Yeah, and Catherine also finds the uh, the print print from uh, a toe print. Um, Not the way you expect toe print. Yeah, on the end of the bed, and she tells Grissom some guys need leverage, and Grissom says they do. Yes, he doesn't. Okay. And then that's a flashback. Yeah, I guess the clothes that Debbie was wearing in the flashback was supposed to resemble a butterfly. Oh, maybe. Oh. I, I was watching because the the white and the flowiness. Yeah, it it looks like a wing. Well, Ward calls Grissom. And he tells him about the butterfly charm that he found on the vacuum bag. Grissom goes to the spare bedroom while Catherine is still printing the bed. And he is looking all over it to try and look for the trinket. Then he opens a jewelry box and he finds a bracelet with a pendant that says love Dr. T on it. The, the, the actual letter T, not the word T. And he also finds another broken butterfly charm. Catherine tells Grissom that she was able to recover a toe print from the bed. And she will tell Sarah to compare it to the victims. Grissom tells Catherine about the butterfly charm. And suggests that the killer was trying to get the gifts back. 
he also finds a strand of a strand of hair on the shelf and tells Catherine, well, this is why I never left. My dude, you haven't showered for three days, and this is why you haven't left. Okay. That yeah. makes he hasn't used the bathroom for three days. Because he can't use it as a scene. I don't want to think about when Grissom had a bathroom break. Well, in the morgue, Dara is taking the silverance from the daddy. It's only now that she realizes that daddy and her were doppelgangers. And probably now that she realized why Grissom didn't want her inside the house in the first place. And I think this also helped contribute to a breakdown. Yeah, me too. If you guys know remember, Sarah has a breakdown. Oh, oh, she has multiple. Yeah, she has multiple breakdowns, but anyway, she finds Catherine and she asks her where Grissom is, and Catherine says that Grissom's still at the crime scene, and Sarah tells her that the print that Catherine got from the bed doesn't match either of the victims. And Catherine's like, well, did you take a look at the victim? If I didn't know better, I would have think that it was you. And Sarah plays innocent. And so I'm like, oh, I, I, I didn't look at her. <laughs> I think, I think Catherine did that on purpose. It's Catherine. Of course she did. Because she could have had Warwick done that, you know, Greg wanted to be a CSI. She could have sent him down to the morgue and you know, do some printing on his own. Or could have asked Dave to do it. Because Dave was the one that took the prints from the second victim. She could have asked Warwick to do it, but she had there. She wanted Sarah to look at the victim. Because Catherine knew. I think Catherine knew how Grissom felt about Sarah. Maybe in a way. Getting everybody knew. Yeah. But maybe Catherine saw that if she made Sarah go and take the toe prints of Debbie, Sarah will look at the victim, realize they were doppelgangers, and then she maybe would go to Grissom and be like, well, that's kind of confront him in a way. And Sarah was known for confronting people. Yeah, Sarah was known for confronting people. Maybe Catherine was hoping that Sarah will confront Grissom. Sarah never did, but I would have liked her to confront him at the end of this episode. I don't think she would have been good for either of them. I don't think it would have been good, but... I don't think they would have confronted at PD, and maybe she, she would have gone to the department, or maybe... I don't know. I, I'm writing at his office, or maybe at, at the interrogation room, to just stand talking. But also, my man was tired, so maybe she would let him rest a bit. Anyway, so... Take uh, a 20-hour nap. Well, just 20 hours. I think my man was looking for it for three days. Uh, he would still work for these four hours the next day. Back in the hospital, Catherine, she's taking toe-prints of all the male doctors. One of the doctors says that everyone was in Debbie's house. Okay. And Dr. Lori, he tells Brad that there is a code of honor among doctors, and a lot of them were married. Okay, good to know that a lot of these doctors were cheating on their wives with... Debbie and Brett and Dr. Laurie also says that this information couldn't get out. And Brett simply said, the only information that would get out is the necessary information. I love Brett. 
and low breast. I absolutely love him. There is a token that is a match. Is Dr. Tripton questioning Howard and said that he gave Debbie a ride home because her car was in the shop. And that, and he, thankfully, he says that Debbie invited him inside her house where a couple and well, he basically said that he cheated on his wife with Debbie. Yep. And that he tells Catherine that while he did get the piece of jewelry, Ensign was not the one that was broken. The hair that Grissom found is analyzed by Greg, and Greg says that the only substance that was found is oil and substance called propylene glycol, which is an ingredient in Rogaine, Rogaine, I don't know, for men that have a pattern of bondness. And it also tested positive for propation. And her son runs into Catherine in the hallway, and Catherine tells, tells him that it wasn't Howard because Howard had an alibi. And he is like, well, was he going bald? And was like, well, he's not. And he's not he's not going bald and he doesn't have gray hair. And also Howard is a whacking. And Doc Robbins calls Grissom to the morgue. They are now going over the second victim, which is Michael Clark. And Doc says that Michael Clark was lying face up when he was killed. And the way they can tell this is by rigor mortis, which is when a person dies, all of their blood stops flowing to their body. So their body kind of becomes like a statue. The killer is probably less candid because of the angle of the cuts on the right femur. Doc Robbins also says that this information would not be admissible in court. But Grissom's like, I don't care. I just want to solve this game. <laughs> okay. So, well, Dr. Robin says, Grissom says that he's looking for a left hand who is a surgeon and who is using propitia in his hair because of losing his hair and he's working in the Desert Bomb Hospital. And the hospital, all the doctors who fit the descriptions are put in a row and Greg is using ILS, which is infrared light, on their heads and eventually he finds a match and his doctor Kristen Laurie so they brought him back to BD and Grissom and Brass are talking to him uh, and Dr. Laurie said that yes yeah he was taking all the medication and yes he did give the bracelet to daddy but they have no other evidence against him the perfect crime. It was literally the perfect crime. And Brass has a theory that Lori killed Debbie because she rejected him. Michael Clark pray, paid the price. And the lawyer says that they don't have a case. And they walked out of the room. And so says that they are not much different. Actually, Grissom gives the speech. Okay. I have the speech right here. Remember, I am not as good as William Peterson, outstanding performance of Grissom in this episode. And also, he wrote 
William Peterson wrote his speech on the nap tape. This was not a speech originally. Why do so many good things get written on napkins? I don't know. So, after we talk about this, after the speech gets read, I'll talk about some other amazing things that are written on napkins that I have seen. Yes, this ball of a speech, she says, it's sad, isn't it, Doc? Guys like us, a couple of middle-aged men who allow their work to consume their lives. The only time we ever touch other people is when we're wearing our latex gloves. We wake up one day and realize that for 50 years, we haven't really lived at all. But then, all of a sudden, we get a second chance. Somebody young and beautiful shows up. Somebody we can care about. She offers us her new life, but we have a big decision to make, right? Because we have to risk everything we've worked for in order to have her. I couldn't do it. But you did. You risked it all. And she showed you a wonderful life, didn't she? But then she took it away and gave it to somebody else. And you were lost. And then Doc Laurie says that he, he's still there, still here. And Grissom is like, are you? And then the camera pans out, and you see that Sarah is actually watching everything. So she heard everything that Grissom spoke. I think Brass would confront first. Because Brass was in the room. He was in the room where it happened. She Talk about some things that I've seen that were written on a napkin. Because Jonathan Groff, who was hearing that musical, is going to be in Doctor Who. Now, these things happen in classic Who. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. One second, guys. I made a podcast with freaking Grill Grissom here. I'm sorry. You have to point this out. So, back to what I was saying. So, those two things that I personally love from classic Doctor Who, both were written on a napkin. One was the Doctor's goodbye speech to Mel. Who is going to be in the next next season of New Who? Season 14 of Mary next year. He's going to invite his so goodbye. And then a few from one of my favorite stories from season 26, The Curse of Fenric. It's between Eighth and the Soldier. They had to rewrite it because it was usually going to be that it was so hot and everything. But in actuality, and you could see that it was not hot. It was freezing. Because when they were shooting that scene, they, don't have, they had wacky weather. There in London. So, the writers of the episode went to the local bar and rewrote the scene. And Sophie Aldred memorized it quickly. And granted, at that time, like when she first started on Hill, she was memorizing everybody's line, but by the end of it, she would take Mr. McCoy's script out of his pocket to help her. Well, I don't think I have anything from Vampire Diaries, so. Well, I only have this because I watched so many behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, half things I know is because I do a lot of I have season twenty six and season twenty four Blu ray box set DVD. Well, I don't I do know fun fact though, I know the two characters, Carolyn and, and Klaus, they only became a thing actually not a thing, I mean they eventually became tandem because so many fans started to ship them together they the writers decided to make them tandem to me. They never really became a couple, but they actually hooked up a couple of times. Don't you think that Sarah ever brought this to Grissom? Like, she ever told him? Like, has she ever told him that? Yeah, so I, I heard what you said to Dr. Lori. Maybe after they were safe in the relationship. 
like maybe one day they're like having breakfast, Greta is reading, I don't know, the crosswords, and she's like, oh, honey, you remember that, that case, that Debbie Martin case? And he's like, what about it? Yeah, her was said to Dr. Lori, and then like all the blood gets out of Grissom's face. And then she reaches across the table and says, we do have a life together. Yeah, that'd be nice. I would still love a confrontation between them, but I don't think at that point in time they would have a good confrontation. Okay. So, should we talk about what we're talking about next week? Oh, yeah. What are we talking about next week? The season four finale, Mudline. Oh, what is this? What is this? Bloodline. I just said it. Bloodline. Is that about again? I can't remember. Bloodline is when the scene where. Lindley Parker, and it's this case where Raph, then when that sends her off into the deep end, where she gets caught drinking. Oh, that's freaking Jane. Where's that uh, chimera? The chimera! The chimera! Oh, so I'm gonna bring Timor. Yeah. Well, you love you guys so, so much. We hope you guys are safe. Please, we hope you guys are safe. And please, please be safe. We love you guys so much. If we have some listeners in Hawaii right now, we love you guys so, so much. We'll pray for you and we hope you're okay. Okay. So thank you so much. Bye. Love you. Bye.